Hello and welcome to Parkinson's Pathway Pals Tuesdays with Teresa. I'm Teresa Jackson, your podcast host. Today, my guest is Jonathan Braddock. Jonathan Braddock is a licensed architect with a master's degree from MIT and a bachelor's degree from the University of Florida. He was diagnosed with young onset Parkinson's disease on December 31st in 2019. And he lives in Ponta Vedra. I think I said it right, John, uh, Florida with his two kids and his wife. Welcome, John. Thank you. And it was 2019, right? December 31st, 2019, New Year's Eve gift. And imagine um, at your age, um, you know, being diagnosed, I've interviewed actually several people that have young onset and it takes on a whole different uh, process because most people that have young onset are, their lives look different. They're still working. They still have small children at home. And so it's different than when you are, um, you know, in your fifties or sixties or, or, or beyond. And I know from, from some of the things that we've talked about before, um, you'd mentioned that, you, you know, you're kind of living your most meaning, meaningful part of your life. Um, I call it kind of the meat of the, of your life, right? You've, you're, you're not sandwiched uh, yet between taking care of parents or, um, right. you know, you may or may not be taking care of children at that point, but with young onset, it's, it's a whole different, whole different ballgame. Right. So how do you cope with knowing that you are, in the throes of what you would describe as the best years of your life, and yet somehow sort of overshadowed by this thing we call Parkinson's disease? Uh, that's a good question, Teresa. Um, how do I cope with it? I think, um, I think what I do to cope with it is um, I, I honestly take a look at, um, at where I am, everything that I've got, my kids, my wife, um, my uh, my friends, um, the uh, the activities that I'm still able to do, and um, I guess I just have a uh, a perspective that um, Parkinson's has uh, kind of opened up a whole new world for me, and that world kind of includes meeting new people like yourself. Um, Learning more things about myself, learning how to how to deal with adversity. Um, I think one of the big things that uh, that, that I think I've, I've learned that has contributed to my perspective is um, learning how to. Um, and I think this is this is one of the questions that you may ask me later on. But learning how to live public with Parkinson's because that's something yeah. that I think we never trained for. Obviously, we never trained for it. Right. But, you know, we've, we've, been, we've, been, we've been given this diagnosis and uh, what comes afterward is a, is a new kind of life that we've had no, no way of training for. And so it's a day by day living that um, some days are better than others, some days are worse than others. And it all kind of comes together to, uh, to kind of form this, this box that um, I like to think of as my, my perspective on the world. Yeah, you know, I have said before, and I've heard other people say that Parkinson's has given them gifts mm. and not the kind that, you know, you wish you could give back the white elephant in the room sort of thing, but <laughs> some actual good things. And I've spent more time with my family than I did before, for sure, because I was so career oriented and now I'm focused really on what's important. 
But I think yes. one of the gifts that it gave me, and I'd like to hear if you have the same perspective as a young onset, but one of the gifts that it gave me was a gift of urgency. And I don't mean urgency like get everything done quickly. I mean urgency as in prioritization. So when mm -hmm. I look at things now and I take on new projects or I decide, you know, whatever it is that I'm going to do, I really prioritize that in how does it affect my family? How does this affect my time? Is this something I want to give to? Not just this obligatory take on every project that comes your way. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a, uh, that's a true comment. Um, I think that uh, time is so critical now. Uh, not that it wasn't critical before, but time is critical. Um, my, my conversations with my kids is, is, is kind of takes on new meaning, to be honest with you. Uh, we, I, I think last uh, two weeks ago, I think I was talking with my daughter and um, we were talking about, uh, I think I was, ta I was talking to her about eating. I was asking her if she notices my, my trimmer when I, when I pick up the fork and I eat and I was asking her, you know, does that bother you? And she was like, no, it doesn't bother me. And um, my son was in the room and my son was, was like, you know, well, we don't even notice it. And I was like, no, you, you, you're not, you're not, you're not serious. I know you know, you're just trying to make me feel better. And, you know, his, he's got one of these, one of these cases where his face gets red when he gets nervous. And he says to me, um, I, I said to him, so Keenan, are you telling me that you're not, you don't get embarrassed when you see me uh, with, your, with, your dad, with your friends, and your dads, and my hand is shaking. And I've got to like kind of conceal the shake because it's kind of annoying. He's like, no, not at all. And uh, he was like, would you rather have a red face than, than a shaky hand? And I said, well, I'd much rather have a red face than a shaky hand. He said, I'd rather have a shaky hand than a red face. So uh, yeah, but it's totally opened up new conversations with my kids. So that sense of urgency and time is definitely true. Yeah, um, it's it's at life. Life is moving whether we whether we like it or not, and it's moving at, at a pace that we can't control. So I, yeah. I definitely definitely feel like my time is so much more critical. Um, taking advantage of, of friendships and opportunities yeah. to, uh, to get together with friends that maybe I I wouldn't have done before is something new that has completely opened up my world. So uh, I totally agree with you. Yeah, I um, in my book, I wrote about um, hoping that I had prepared my children well. Hmm. And as young onset, now you have the gift of knowing the critical need of preparing your children for the future. And you have that time to, you know, because when you're in the throes of raising kids, sometimes we're just trying to get the homework done and back in bed so we can get up and do it all the next day again, right? Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, for me, um, looking back and, and wondering, you know, gosh, I hope I prepared them for everything that they should have. And thinking now forward, you know, as, as, a, as one of those gifts, uh, with a young onset, you have time to really think about that and contemplate what are the things that are really important mm -hmm. that I share with my children so that they don't have all this hustle and bustle of things that just aren't important at the end of the day. Yeah. So, yeah. So um, we are going to talk about living publicly and a, and a few other things, but before I get to that, um, I wanted to, I wanted you to expand on this statement. I know you've made the statement, the only disability in life is a bad attitude. That's a powerful, powerful statement. I think there's so much truth wrapped up in that. And I'd like for you to just kind of share what your thoughts are about that. Well, when I was first diagnosed, um, I felt this tremendous sense of, um, 
like dissolved self-worth, kind of like um, I was I was broken, kind of felt like I was like you know, damaged goods in a way. And I, and, I, and I carried that around with me for a while. Um, it was like this instant feeling of uh, damage. And I felt like everybody was looking at me like I was a uh, um, deformed or uh, just had some, 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 it was different than I was before. And I just kind of felt like it was the, the association with Parkinson's that, that scared people away from, from me when I, when I would announce my diagnosis to somebody. So for me, the, the, the statement, there's, um, the statement that you just read about the uh, the uh, bad attitude um, that totally comes from just kind of looking around and realizing that uh, we don't have to we don't have to live as hermits or uh, you know people that we people that think that we are we're deformed or, or people that, that that think other people don't don't like us or uh, you know, what, what, I can't think of the words but we don't we don't have to we don't have to be that way. Uh, right. We, we can we can still be, you know, uh, beautiful and and in our Parkinson's and and still you know get everything we need to get out of out of life and do everything that we want to want to have. But but I I just feel like having a bad attitude does absolutely nothing for for us for anybody. And the sooner that you realize that, the better off you're going to be. Yeah, you know, a, a feeling that really shocked me when um, I was diagnosed was um, like this feeling of shame. You know, I had this feeling of shame and I don't know where it came from. I had done nothing to cause Parkinson's, um, but I had this feeling of shame. And when my children were in my book, they were just overcome by, you know, they just couldn't believe it. And they were like, where'd that come from? And um, I I don't know, you, you just are in this blender. Yeah, of emotions yeah. when you are first diagnosed and you're trying to sort out what does it mean to me physically? What does it mean to my marriage? What does it mean to my financial life? You know, what, what does it mean long-term? There's just all these feelings. And so that was a feeling that really, you know, shocked me. And what I hear you saying is that you don't have to live in this place of diminished value because that's just not accurate unless you make that's it accurate for yourself. You're wasting time. Yeah. Yeah. Time. Yes, I was speaking to a lady that was really struggling. She had just gotten the diagnosis and, and she had called me and she was really struggling. And I said, you know, take take a few days. You need it to wallow in this. But realize that for every day that you choose to live less than or sorry for is a day that you've robbed of yourself. Yeah. And so why would you do that? Now, think about it. You know, you, you have to grieve. I do believe there's a grieving process with Parkinson's like there is with any, you know, chronic really that can be debilitating disease. But at some point you have to get up and decide, is this where I'm going to stay and wait for the inevitable? Or do I want to enjoy? Because the truth is no one knows what tomorrow brings, right? No one knows Mm -hmm. who gets up tomorrow and doesn't come home from a car wreck or a heart attack or any other, you know, cancer or any other thing. We don't know. So why would you waste feeling sorry for yourself? um very long yeah i mean i kind of feel like you're uh you're you're robbing yourself of an opportunity to uh to enjoy life but you're robbing yourself of an opportunity to have a great day uh if you if you you know if you let it um i I, the one thing that comes to my mind as you talk is we uh my family 
we have made it a point to uh, to take vacations periodically, like once every three months, and we never used to do that. It's something that we do now, uh, and it's 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 kind of a a new thing that my wife kind of instilled because the the kids are getting older, and we want to make sure we have those moments, those memories with the kids, and the vacations are really critical for that. But that's that's one of those you know cases where. Parkinson's may may play a part in it. I don't know, but um, the the thought being that we don't have, uh, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. Yeah, I, I love that. I, I love that that you are taking vacations. You're building memories. You're making traditions for your own children um, that someday they'll take away and and hopefully implement in their own life. Um, I think that um, disability and a bad attitude. It kind of comes along with the next couple of questions that I have. And that is, you know, learning to live publicly. When I was first, uh, one of the first, after my diagnosis, I talked to some people and, and I remember speaking to this guy that said he only hangs out with people with Parkinson's now because he's too <laughs> embarrassed to hang out with other people. And everyone has to do, you know, approach their disease in the manner that they feel comfortable. But for me personally, I felt like that was an isolation and, you know, what if you only hung out with people that had heart disease or, you know, or cancer or whatever, whatever it is, you know, we really are limiting and isolating ourselves and our world is so much bigger and can remain so much bigger if we so choose. So for me pers personally, living, living to learning to live publicly was important. I've always been very private about things like my health, but the decision to come forward very quickly with what I had going on, uh, it's personal, but, but I, I align with you and I'd like to hear more on what, what your thoughts are around living publicly with Parkinson's. Well, that's, that's, that's a that's challenge a that, um, that I, I feel like I deal with every single day because I go through all these different scenarios like anybody else does. I go to the grocery store and I, I might go at a time when I feel off and I've got to kind of deal with going to the grocery store and pulling my credit card out of my wallet and sticking it into the machine and knowing that my trimmer is going to be, you know, possibly going crazy. Um, it's, it's something that um, I, I, I it's, a, it's a challenge that I want to get better at. It's, it's definitely one of these things that I look at other people that, that I think are embracing their, their, uh, their symptoms. And I know that it's a, it's a long haul for me to get there, but that's something that, that I really want to be comfortable with. And I know it's going to take time, but um, you know, you can, you can look at people like Jimmy Choi and mm -hmm. um, you can, you can watch how Jimmy um, just, just kind of puts himself out there regardless of whatever, whatever symptom he may be dealing with. He puts himself out there and in some cases makes fun of himself. Or in some cases, he's laughing at himself. In some cases, he's making some kind of, um, I don't know, funny meme about some circumstance that he's dealing with with his kids or working out. And I think that guy, where he is, is where I want to be, but it's going to take time. You know, I'm still very um, uh, kind of protective of, of, my, uh, of my condition. I don't, I don't go around and broadcast that I've got Parkinson's, but when, this, when, right. when, the, when the timing comes up and the conversation leads that way, um, and I feel like it's going to do good for whatever, whatever, whatever circumstance I'm in. I'll certainly say, you know, I've got Parkinson's or I'll admit to it or I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll work it into the conversation somehow. But learning how to live publicly with, with Parkinson's, I think, is just something that we grow into over time. 
And um, I'm definitely not there yet, but it's, uh, it's a challenge that I want to overcome. And I think it's important to just look at other people that have Parkinson's that are doing it well, so. Yeah, I, I do think it teaches others that it's possible. It's possible to, to live well for a yeah. long period of time. And it's possible to stand up and say, this is what I have, it's not who I am. Yeah. So I think that's an important message. Yeah, you know, three months after my diagnosis, um, I, I'm still working full time. <clears throat> and three months after my, my, my diagnosis, I had already talked to my boss about, about the diagnosis. And um, I told him, you know, hey, I want to, uh, I want to make an announcement uh, to the office that, uh, that, I, that I've got Parkinson's because it's important to me that other people know. And I don't want to have to keep repeating myself over and over and over again when, when, a, when a weird symptom kicks in. So um, we had a town hall meeting and, and this, this company is 3,000 people. Um, so we had a town hall meeting and after the town hall meeting, my, my boss says, would anybody like to say anything? And I said, yeah, let me, let me, I would like to say something. And I said, you know, I just want everybody to know that I was diagnosed with young onset Parkinson's disease uh, three months ago. Um, I'm, I'm dealing with the symptoms. You may see things like tremor. You may hear my voice uh, get soft when I'm talking. Uh, you may see me um, uh, shuffle my feet. Uh, a rigidity may, may like overcome. Uh, but what I want you to do is come talk to me. Just be cool. Uh, don't be afraid. Um, just, just treat me like a normal, normal human being. Um, and, and just, just be cool. And after that conversation, my HR director uh, contacted me and she was like, John, I just want to tell you that you're my hero. She was like, I, I'm so, I'm so impressed that you were able to come forward and make that announcement. I think you probably have no idea how many people that you've affected by just coming forward and saying that you've got Parkinson's. Yeah. So, um, not, not that everybody should follow that path, but that was, that was important for me to just get out there. I just kind of felt like, you know, getting up every day, going to work, being around the same people when I'm trying to conceal symptoms that I know they see is just ridiculous. So I just wanted yeah. to come forward and, and kind, of, kind of clear the air and let everybody know that this is what I was dealing with. And, and the, the, the good thing about it is that here, here I am two years, close to two years after the diagnosis, and um, I, I, I've, I, most, most of the people that I work with have forgotten about Parkinson's and I'm, I'm the one that reminds them. You know, I might tell them a story about playing the guitar and how I'm really struggling with my right hand because my tremor overtakes my right hand and I can't play the, play the note because I've got Parkinson's. And they're like, oh yeah, I totally oh, yeah, that thing. Yeah, I totally forgot that you got Parkinson's. Yeah, how you doing? You know, and there's no <laughs> conversation. So living, living public is, is definitely something that uh, I'm, I'm hoping to get to. I think it little takes courage. Little. Yeah, a little bit. It takes courage. Yeah, yeah. It takes courage. It takes, um, you know, motivation. But I know the things that I do and people that reach out to me and say, oh, it's so inspired, inspires me to continue to, um, you know, do the best that I can to help other people be educated around their disease and uh, understand what they need to do in order to feel better and live better. So mm -hmm. I think sometimes when we do things that encourage others, that comes back tenfold. That yeah. kind of takes me into the next area and that's to find your tribe. And it kind of goes back mm -hmm. to, you know, the person that said, I only hang out with people that are, you know, have Parkinson's <laughs> disease. So that's okay if that's, you know, you do you, but finding your tribe, yeah. I really think is, is important. And I'd like for you to 
talk to me about, you know, what does yours look like? How did you find it? How important is it to you? So, so the, uh, the very first person that I actually uh, reached out to um, when after I got my diagnosis was Paul Clough. I don't know if you know Paul. He lives in East here, Virginia. Mm-hmm. But um, I went on a Facebook page, a Parkinson's Facebook page, and I think I wrote on there, hey, I'm just curious if there's anybody else out there that's been recently diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. If so, would you mind talking to me a little bit about your, uh, your, your process, your coping process? And I noticed that after I posted that, I got one comment from Paul. He said, welcome to the YOPD club. And then after that, they, they took me off. They, they shut down my, um, my access on that Facebook page, I guess, because I had broken some rule about getting personal with my diagnosis. But I reached out to Paul. So thankfully, Paul got in there before I got kicked off the Facebook page. But Paul and I basically kind of kind of hit it off and had basically just been, you know, connecting with each other ever since then, probably once, twice a week, just to kind of say hello to each other and check in and, and, and just kind of like ask each other how it's going. Um, all the people that I have interviewed for my book, uh, I would consider them to be part of my tribe because these are people that I can literally pick up the phone and text anytime, any day and say, hey, what's up? How are you doing? I had a really bad day today. What are you guys doing? Um, hey, or hey, I um, I found this great podcast and I want to share it with you. Uh, let me know what you think. And just having those people within a, a a phone call or a text away is really helpful. Now, the flip side of that, Teresa, is that I've got a lot of really good friends, really close friends that don't have Parkinson's that I hang out with every single week. Uh, I've got a guy that I, I literally meet at the beach on Tuesday mornings at seven o'clock with with um, beach chairs in tow. Okay, you're making and me we, jealous. We sit down on the beach for an hour, and the only rule we have is that you have to talk about anything. You have to talk about whatever comes to mind, whatever you're dealing with. You have to talk about it. And we talk for about for about an hour, and it is the greatest greatest time. It's so therapeutic. Um, <laughs> I meet up with um, another buddy of mine. He's a uh, he's an allergist, and I meet up with him on Thursday nights for for beers, and we uh, talk real estate, kids, uh, stocks. He's big into finance. Um, I go running every Friday night with another guy, and uh, we basically meet up at the uh, the same same bar that I meet up on Thursday nights, and we go run a five k on Friday nights, and we have drinks after that. Uh, and then we sometimes we go paddleboarding over the weekend. But these are these are all people that are like so so critical to my sanity. Um, and and some of them have Parkinson's, some of them don't. But to me, finding a tribe is really just a matter of finding all those people that you can be yourself around. Honestly, yeah. And 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 people that um, that you enjoy spending time with, regardless of whatever they have. You know. You never, you never know what people are dealing with. And I think it's just as important for the people that don't have Parkinson's to uh, see life through your eyes because you may be the only person with Parkinson's that they're ever going to see. Yeah. So, um, so I, think, I think finding a tribe is, is very important for your growth, for your sanity, for, uh, for, for therapy, um, all of the above. I agree. I think sometimes it's hard to find your tribe, but when you once you do find them, you really need to appreciate them and stay connected. That connectivity is important. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So when I was diagnosed, um, you know, I had a terrible experience of not not really 
my, my physician did not provide any education for me on um, prognosis, management of the disease or anything of that nature. And so that's one reason I really started all the advocacy things I've done. You know, I competed for Mrs. Virginia, not because I wanted to be a beauty queen, but because um, it was a way for me to get my platform out there and to say, people that have Parkinson's look just like me sometimes. They're not what you always imagine. Um, and we, you know, we need to educate people on how to live well. So advocacy has really been important to me. It's why I wrote my book. It's why I do this podcast. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm so sorry. Um, I know that it's important to you as well. Um, tell me how, you know, tell me how you advocate for yourself and how you might recommend someone to advocate for themselves. Um, for me, being an advocate really takes on the meaning of shutting out all of the, um, the advice, the uh, recommendations. Sometimes the uh, medical community can give you uh, all kinds of, uh, you know, new, new um, therapies to try out. And, and I kind of feel like it's really important with Parkinson's to kind of find what works for you. And, and being your own advocate to me is, is kind of a combination of finding what's right for you, but at the same time, trying new things. Um, I, to, to put that in perspective, I've got a friend of mine that, um, that I, I meet with. Uh, she's, in my, she's in my first book, Kristen Gray. She's one of the best people I know. I mean, she's great to talk to, but she and I meet on, on uh, like once every month and walk on the beach and talk. Um, but she's one of these people that um, she's been doing uh, Tai Chi. Um, she does rock steady boxing and she does all these different exercises to basically keep herself um, kind of kind of away from, from the, uh, the reliance of medications. She's not on any medication. She's had Parkinson's, I think, for seven years. Um, she looks great. She's in great shape. But she's doing all these different exercises every single day, basically combat her symptoms and the progress of Parkinson's. And, I think she was the first person that actually said that to me, that John, you gotta, you gotta be your own advocate because you gotta try things that are gonna work for you despite what may work for somebody else. So that's what I would say about being your own advocate. Um, advice to somebody else would be um, not being afraid to, uh, to try different things. And that could, be, um, that could be smoking weed. I'm gonna say that. It could be something as, um, as, as simple as um, trying um, a new combination of, of therapies. Like for example, um, I think there's a, uh, uh, Kristen has told me about this, uh, this combination of, uh, I can't think of the, the medicine it is, but it's like TH1 or something, but she takes basically this combination of, of, uh, of uh, supplements and uh, she mixes it in with uh, with her workout and, and her food and her diet and all this stuff. So I just think that at the end of the day, my recommendation would be not to be afraid to try new things. Um, don't be too concerned about uh, developing um, uh, the the, uh, the 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 regimens that other people develop and complain about. You know, I, I, I told you before the uh, before the interview that I'm taking Mirapex. Well, Mirapex has a has a really big um, association with, um, what is it? Um, is it hallucinations? No, not hallucinations. Um, 
I can't think of the word, but it's got an association that, that most people know of and, they, and they're, they're afraid of Mirapax. Well, I've been taking Mirapax for close to eight months now. And I just feel like it's something that has, has, it gives me more energy. It makes me more productive. And for me, it's just the right thing. But now if I talk to somebody else, they may say, well, I would never do Mirapex because my doctor told me that it's too, uh, it's too risky of a drug to, to be taking. So I would just say to somebody, try it out, try, try these therapies out, see what else, see what works for you and don't be afraid. Were you going to say obsessive uh, behaviors? Yes, OCD, obsessive compulsive yeah. disorders. Yeah, like whether yeah. it's um, excessive shopping or gambling or eating or uh, yeah. promiscuity or whatever it is. Yeah, I, and, but I think most people, you know, I'm certainly not a pharmacist or a, a physician, but most people recognize pretty quickly if their behavior is changing or at least their family does. So I think if you choose to try something new or even alternative, um, there are ways to put, you know, kind of guardrails out to the side and say, hey, if these things start happening, we need to have discussions. Even if I don't recognize it as a patient, if my care partner or my physician, whoever. So um, I hear what you're saying. I think it's important when we advocate for ourselves also that we make sure that the team that we put around us, no matter who it is, our movement disorder specialist, um, whether it's your ophthalmologist, your primary care, whoever your team is around you, that you feel like you have a partnership, not a dictatorship, like you have to take this medicine, that it really is a partnership on um, getting you to live the best life that you can live. Yeah, absolutely. And advocacy advocacy is certainly part of that. Um, I think I'd like to finish up with um, taking care, you know, we're, we're talking about the, all the things you can do for yourself, but really just talking a little bit about how people that, that do exercise, watch what they eat, try to get enough sleep, which is, you know, a whole other, whole other <laughs> episode we could talk about, right? Well, I'll call yeah. you at three in the morning today and we can talk <laughs> about that. Um, but people that generally try to take care of themselves generally just do better. So if you yeah. have some parting thoughts about that, I'd love to hear what you have to say. So, so I talked with uh, Carl Robb and his wife, Angela, and that was one of the comments that Carl mentioned. And I thought, you know, that's a really good statement to kind of file away in my mind. Uh, if nothing else, just to kind of remind myself that when I feel um, lazy or when I feel like, hey, I, I owe it to myself to take a day off, to, to like snap myself out of it and remind myself that, hey, um, it, it's those kinds of uh, temptations that are going to lead me down that path of, uh, of fatigue, um, you know, misuse of my time. And so I kind of feel like the, um, when Carl said that, it, it resonated with me because I just thought, you know, when I'm, when I wake up in the morning, I typically do about a 15, 20 minute cardio workout. And on the days that I don't do that workout, I notice that I kind of feel a little bit more sluggish than I would have typically. Uh, my attitude is a little bit more down. I'm not as much, I'm not as energetic. And it's just a reminder that um, every day matters, you know? So um, yeah, there's a lot in that conquering that morning conquers your day and you get up and get moving. I do think we have to be careful that we, you know, if we really do need it, that we allow ourselves some grace on a day that we need off it, but it can't become the habit. It can't yeah. become the norm. It needs to be that, that time where, you know, you're just not feeling quite up to yourself and you maybe do need to take a little bit of a break, but um, you know, but the flip side of that is sometimes when you get up and move, then you just feel better. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I love the couch like anybody else does, but it's not going to do anything for me. Right? Me too, me too. Well, I do want to also mention your book, Welcome to the Wild PD Club. Um, it's 10 inspirational stories for people living with young onset Parkinson's disease. Um, why don't you share with people where they can find this book if they'd like to read it? So it's on Amazon. Um, just type in the uh, the title. There's a um, there's a hard copy and a uh, Kindle version that you can download. Um, yeah, I hope that uh, hope that it, it it if you choose to buy it, if you choose to buy it, I hope that it uh, it helps you out and, and does something for you because there's some really um, good stories in there. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be inspiring. I have it. I've read it. Um, and I look forward to the next book that you produce. I want to thank you, John, for sharing your story with our listeners today. I want to thank our listeners, obviously, for listening today. And don't forget to subscribe. And I'll see you Tuesday.